Hey everybody, Pastor D here. Everybody calls me PD. I want to welcome you to Connect Church. Look, if you're here for the first time, hey, this is going to be a really special service for you. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, those of you that are joining us online, joining us on Facebook, joining us on YouTube, wherever you are, local, uh, within the country, outside the country, around the world, I want to welcome you to our service today. We're in the middle of a series. Now, we teach the Bible systemically, kind of line upon line, as the Bible says, precept upon precept. In other words, we break it down. We know you can't teach it all at once, and so we break it into subjects. And so our subject has been men, men of God, men um, leading, inspiring men to lead. Now, we don't minimize the role of uh, the woman or of women. In fact, we have a whole series on that that you can check out on our YouTube channel called Empowering Women. But this series has been dedicated to inspiring men to become men of God. Now, today's message is called Man Up. Turn to your neighbor, wherever you are, or right in the chat. Somebody say, Man Up. I'm pretty sure you've heard that phrase before. Uh, if you've been exposed to any kind of um, uh, challenging environments, if you've been uh, in a sports, uh, particularly sports, maybe you uh, were facing resistance, you were, you were behind, you know, in the score, you uh, had a halftime uh, challenge from your coach, a lot of times they'll end and say, okay, it's time for us to man up. And so I just want to address that, not just from a physical standpoint, but from the spiritual standpoint. And it reminds me, um, of a story. Now, what, what I'm going to talk about in a little while is overcoming um, people, men, women, whoever, boys, girls, that become spiritually lame. That word lame. Have you ever heard that word before? We're going to talk about uh, the lame man or the crippled man in Acts chapter 3 in a few minutes. But when I was in um, college as a sophomore, we used to have this um, practice. We called it um, a hall meeting, and at the hall meeting, we would have every Monday night, we would have a Lamity Award service. And what happened was everybody, all the men would get together and they would share their lamest experience, the lamest thing they did that week. And I wish I could tell you uh, some of the stories that were shared. Some of them were really funny and some of them were really comical, but there was one particular story that not only got the Lamity of the, of the Week Award, but this particular individual got the Lamity of the Year Award. And this individual was my roommate. Now I'll just call him Dave for the sake of, uh, of uh, letting him remain uh, uh, anonymous. But Dave, um, on our fall break, went home to his hometown in California. And he had had a job for the summer uh, as a delivery, a truck driver, and he would deliver certain products from one location to another. And so he was able to pick up some work when he went home. And his job was simply to take the inventory from one location to another, and then they would fill it up again, and then they would bring it back. And so he was driving his truck to one location, he dropped it off, and then they filled it up with some new resources or new products or whatever. And his job was to secure the inventory, close up the uh, truck, and then uh, drive it safely back uh, to his home office. So on his way back, he's on the highway, and my, my, my roommate Kevin uh, liked to listen to music, and he listened to it very loud, and so loud that he couldn't hear what was going on around him. The surroundings uh, were muffled because of how loud he listened to the music. Well, apparently, there was a certain sound, a boom, a, a shock that everybody else could hear, but Kevin couldn't hear it. 
And so Kevin continued uh, back to the office. He drops the truck off, turns the keys, turns the keys in, and he goes home. And on his way home, he comes through the house, grabs some milk and some cookies, and he sits down on the couch, and he puts his legs up on the couch, clicks the TV on. This is about a half an hour after he left when he got home. And the news comes on, and he's watching the news. And the news is interrupted by a breaking news report of an accident, apparently on the highway, that was causing a backup, a traffic jam, as much as two miles. What happened? Well, somehow, some way, a large number of porcelain toilets had splattered all over the highway by the dozens. And then in that moment, my roommate realized that was his inventory and that was his truck that he was delivering from one location to the other. And apparently, he hadn't closed the back door. <laughs> How many know that this young man got Lamity of the Year award for what he did? Now, listen, he was rewarded for being lame. God doesn't do that in his economy. He doesn't reward men, women, boys, or girls for being lame, for doing lame things. In fact, he doesn't want lame Christians. He doesn't want, uh, he wants Christians to stop being lame and to start uh, leading as Christians, to start leading from the front, to start doing things with excellence, doing things right, doing things with a uh, spiritual passion. Because when we are lame, we stay the same. As we will see in the text in just a few minutes, staying the same, listen, it isn't good. You and I can't stay the same as we continue in 2011. We're called as Christians to move, to, to, to grow, and to go, and to move forward. So this particular text that I'll be reading from, or I'm going to paraphrase it, is Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. And it is a story of, of a lame uh, beggar. Now there was this lame man who is revealed in verse 2. And it tells us that he was lame from birth. He was crippled from birth. He, was, he had remained that way and had remained the same for 40 years. He had remained the same for 40 years. And in chapter 4, uh, verse 22, reveals that that's how long it was. It was literally a generation that he was not able to stand up on his own two feet. Now, I want to... If you'll, if you'll bear with me, I want to work with me. I want to extrapolate something from this that I want you and I to think about today. Here's the idea. It is hard for us to man up if we can't stand up. That's our big idea today. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's hard for us to man up if we can't stand up. We're told that his whole life, um, we can see from the context was dependent upon other people, what other people did for him. Because it says every day he was carried along uh, to the, the, the gate beautiful. Uh, and you know you are lame when you cannot get somewhere by yourself, when you have someone to take you, someone to carry you, uh, to bring you where you need to be. You are dependent upon another person. That's what it means to be lame. Now we're told in verse 2 that this lame man, get this, he went to church every day. He went to the gate called Beautiful, which was right at the gate to the church. And for us, I think we can see this means that you and I can still um, be church people. We can still be churchgoers. You can go to church starting now. 
uh, maybe you've been going to church for a long time, but you can still be a lame man, a lame woman, a lame boy or girl. You can still be someone who is not able to stand up and as a result, man up. And so even though you could be going to church, nothing could have changed in your life. Sometimes, and for some people, as much as a generation. And so we're living in a day where far too many men and women are lame. They're lame. And I know this is a strong word. If you're listening online, uh, I don't apologize because I want to help you. I want to move you. I want to shake you. And I want to quicken you. You may not be physically impaired like this person was. You may not have uh, some disability where you can't stand up. But there are other types of lameness. There is often a mental lameness where you're not able to demonstrate uh, within a leadership capacity the cognitive abilities to influence others, to interact with others successfully. Sometimes there's a mental lameness, uh, maybe an EQ issue. Sometimes there's a social lameness where there is a mindset, a victimization, a dependency upon others, maybe the government, uh, to get through uh, life, And I know sometimes that has to happen, but sometimes it does not have to happen or it does not have to happen indefinitely or for a generation. And more often to, than not, there is a spiritual lameness. A spiritual lameness is when, for example, uh, men are not leading in their homes spiritually. As God has designed you as the head of your household, yes, men and women co-lead together and they're co-equal, but there must be a head. And so it's so important that we lead spiritually, but oftentimes men are spiritually uh, lame, and it's time for us to be leaders in our home and in our sphere of influence. So lameness can have many faces to it, but there's a singular characteristic whereby it's, it's, it's like somebody else is, some, is simply doing something for uh, you that you have chosen not to do for yourself. And, and, it's, and it's something that happens not only outside the church, but inside the church, like this guy in this story in Acts chapter 3. And so this man, this lame man is in a, a physical state of lameness, but it is put there for a spiritual purpose for you and I. He was not able to make it on his own. Uh, whatever the cause, whatever the roots, uh, issues, he was not able to man up as a result he couldn't uh, stand up. Others had to take care of him. So I want to deal with that. I want you to be able to man up so you can stand up. And so I want to stop this lame game like we played when I was in college. Like people are, in a sense, playing today. People are living uh, for uh, a living like lame leaders instead of strong leaders and strong uh, Christian uh, influencers. And so here's the deal. In this story, how do we get out of this lame game? Well, two men come into the story, Peter and John. And in verse 1, it says, Peter and John were going to church. They were going to the, the daily prayer service. And on their way there to connect with God, to, to have relationship with God, to pray with God, on their way, they interact, they, they interface with this lame man, this crippled beggar. And the story starts, and in verse 3, as they're approaching the church, this lame man interrupts them, and he begins to ask for alms. He begins to, uh, translation, beg uh, for money. And here is where things begin to get interesting. And so the first um, way that we stop the lame game that we can see from this story is, number one, write this down if you're taking notes, look up. 
look up. It says in verse 4, Peter looked straight at this man, and so did John. And then Peter said, look at us, look at us. He said to the lame, uh, dependent individual, I want you to look at me. I want your undivided attention. See, in order for us to get out of spiritual lameness, to get out of this stupor spiritually, this lethargy, the spiritual lethargy, these patterns to passivity, men and women of God, we have to give God, we have to give sometimes God's uh, leaders our full and undivided attention. It's so interesting how hard it is to have the full attention of our world today uh, for the things of God, but it's so easy for the world to get our attention over almost over nothing. But if we're to man up, if we are to break the lameness in our lives, we have to give God our full attention. The Bible says in Colossians 3, set, it says your affection, but you cannot set your affection if it is not preceded by your attention. So we must Again, focus. And so he's like, I think Peter's like, hey, 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 lame man, hey, young man. Not young man, because he was 40-something. He says, look at me, look at me. And I think there's more to it than that. I think it's not just this perspective we must have or this attention we must give, but I think we not just look to God, but again, like I said a second ago, we got to look to the right people in our lives as well. Are there examples that you can follow. To get out of this spiritual lethargy, this lameness, you have to follow people. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, 1 Corinthians 11. In Philippians 4.9, he says, whatever you've heard, seen, learned, received from me, put into practice. So we need examples. Can I have an amen, everybody? Now, to break or stop this lame game, number two, look what we can get from this story. This, 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 this beggar, this lame man, pretty interesting, it says... Um, it says he fixed his attention on them in verse 5, expecting to receive. Write this down. If, if you're going to stop the lame game, you have to expect to receive. Expect to receive. He expected to receive something from them. He gives them his attention, and then he expects something from them. Now, you can say, well, yeah, he was expecting money from them, and that's true. He definitely was. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But whether this is for wrong motives or right motives, the message is still true. You give your attention to God. You give your attention to godly influences, and you should expect something from that relationship. Amen? And I think sometimes the problem, maybe the problem is, we don't expect anything from God. We don't expect anything to come out of these uh, intentional relationships that God has put in our life. And that might be one of the biggest problems we have. Number three, and I'm going to camp on these next two in particular. Peter goes on a little bit further. This gets better and better within the story. Here's the thing I want you to write down. To stop the lame game, use the name. To stop the lame game, use the the name. Now in verse 6, the first part of the verse, it says this, and I'll get to the name part in a second. But the first part, it says, Peter speaking, hey buddy, I know you want me to give you something, but silver and gold, I don't got that, okay? But what I do have, I'm going to give it to you. So Peter says, I don't have any dough for you, but I do have something to show you. I don't have dough for you, but I have something to show you. And, and the first guy is like, this, I mean, this guy is like, really? Like, I, that's not why I'm, that's not what I expected. I expected some dough, and you've got something to show me what? And so Peter's like, hey, listen, I know you asked me for money, and, but I can't help you with that. And I think, 
a lot of lame people, spiritually lame people, and spiritual problems are the biggest problems, they're the root problems. But sometimes spiritually lame people think money will solve their problem. This, spirit, this lame person, this physically lame person, reveals to us a problem that we, many of us as men have. We look to the almighty dollar to make the difference in our life. We think dollars make the difference, but God is the one who makes the biggest difference. We think if I can just get this job, if I can just make this sale, if I can just close this project, if I can just get this bonus, if I can just sell this house, then, then things are going to be okay. But there's nothing that will, um, there's nothing wrong, by the way, with making money legitimately, uh, being productive, being prosperous. But when, but when you're lame, Listen, when you're lame, as previously defined, and the doctor can't heal you, and life is turned left on you, and things are not moving forward, when you're staying the same, when you're that kind of lame, money's not going to solve the problem. And there's no money that can buy that solution for you. And so he says, silver and gold, I don't have that. But then he adds something. He says, but I do have something. I do have something. And here's where it kind of gets amazing. He says, what I'm going to give to you, give. Give denotes the gospels involved. Give denotes grace. It's not something that you can earn, something that you can buy. No, Peter says, what I'm going to just give you, you can't, you can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't purchase this thing. And, and, and he's like, wait a second. Young, young, lame man, I don't have what you're asking for, uh, which is really, you know, kind of what does that mean? It means that too many men are praying for the wrong thing. They're praying for stuff, maybe. They're praying for followers. They're praying for success. They're praying for, you know, uh, their portfolios to change. We're, oftentimes we're praying for stuff when God wants to give us something that will change everything. A lot of times we're praying for the external and God wants to give us something that's internal that would change everything and, and everything in our lives, everything that we see, everything that we touch, that will have a Midas touch to it because God touched us on the inside. So God can't change you, though, until you kind of change your focus, until you look at him and give him his undivided attention, until you begin to see that it's not about that, it's about something else. And so as long as you make stuff your focus... Uh, he can't give you what you need. Stuff's okay, but it's not going to make you okay. So this guy wanted just enough to stay in his lame state. But God isn't concerned about you staying where you are. As I said for, I don't know, 30 years, God's not interested in your comfort. He's interested in your character. He wants to get to the root of the issue. He wants to get out of the external, into the internal, out of the surface, and into the real solutions. And so then he says something. He says, I'm going to give you something. And then he says, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, in the name of Jesus Christ, he says, stop being lame. Just stop it. Don't do it anymore. I want you to get up. I want you to get up on your own two feet, and I want you to walk. This is what he says to this guy. Let, let, this is amazing. This is, this is where he introduces this idea of the name of Jesus. What's the significance of that? What's the significance of this name? Well, the Bible uh, all through script, scripture reveals that names were significant. They're more than the nomenclature. They're more than just kind of a label. 
They have significance to them. The, the, a name is connected often to uh, one's reputation, one's character. It's connected to a person. Sometimes it's connected to a place as well. And so when you give something a name, it, it always has an association with a reputation, with a character or characteristic of that person. In fact, in Acts chapter 4, the very next chapter after this story, in verse 7, after this miracle takes place, which we'll talk about in a second, in verse 7, the religious leaders are there. They said something that's interesting. They said, and when they had set them in the midst, Peter and John, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? So the religious leaders in the text wanted to know, how did this guy um, walk um, and, and, and come to be healed? And, and by what name and by what power did this take place? Are you guys following this? In other words, the leaders knew at the time that there was a direct association, correlation between name and power. You could say it like this, a, a name in this instance, equaled power. These leaders wanted to know what name was behind this power that could enable this lame man to not to, to man up. And, and in order for that to happen, he had to stand up. And so when you read in chapter 3, where Peter says, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He is literally saying, by the power of Jesus' name, walk. Get up on your own two feet. The name is tied to the power. Are you guys getting this out there? And so Peter later, in that same chapter, he basically tells these religious leaders who were not only inquiring but uh, interrogating, he basically says to them over and over again, Acts chapter 4, verses 10 and following, and, and through that whole chapter, he says over and over again, it was by this name that this was done. It was by this name, this man whom you crucified. It was by this name that he stands and we stand before you now. It is by this name that salvation comes and no other name given among men. Uh, under heaven where we, where is, is where we could be saved. It's only by the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody, shout Jesus. Come on. There's power in the name of Jesus. Now let's go a little bit deeper, though, into this particular quote that, that Peter brings. He doesn't just say Jesus Christ. He doesn't say, just say the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't say our Savior, Jesus Christ. No, he says Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hmm. What is that all about? Well, why did he bring why did he bring Jesus of Nazareth into the equation? First of all, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but I don't know if you realize this, he was raised in Nazareth. Why is that important? Why is that critical? Uh, why does he uh, bring this fact into the equation? And, and, and I don't know if you remember, but in John chapter 1, you can look it up on your own in verse 40-something. It basically says, 46, it says, Can any good thing come from Nazareth? There was, you can look at it in the context, but basically, Nazareth was a no-name town. It was a podunk, no-name town. In fact, when I was growing up in this area, Ashland... Uh, conversationally was referred to as trash land. That's terrible because it's my town, my hometown, of which I love and I've been a part of for many, many years. But that's how people talked about it. That's how people thought about Nazareth at the time. You didn't want to go uh, to it, and you certainly didn't want to go through it. So people were simply saying, uh, you are telling me 
that this guy who couldn't walk, who can now walk, this Jesus who in his name uh, healed him, this guy is from Nazareth? Come on, somebody. This, is, this can't be true. And so this is really relevant because some of you, you didn't have the best beginning. You didn't have the best point of origin, the best starting point in your life. You didn't come from perfection. You didn't come from luxury. You're not a member of the Kardashian crew. Uh, you, 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 you've messed up for 40 years, whatever it is. And, and, and Jesus is saying, and Peter is more importantly saying, try this on for size. Let me tell you the power, where it came from. It came from Jesus Christ, and he's from Nazareth. Come on, somebody. Give God a little bit of praise for that. That means that you and I don't have to be concerned about where we came from because Jesus can go to that place and he can bring you to the place that he wants you to be. So don't tell me your daddy abandoned you and that's why you're lame. Don't tell me uh, you grew up poor and you didn't grow up rich. Listen, Jesus understands. Jesus has been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, and he sold it to defer the cost so you could overcome in Jesus' name. Amen? So let's dig a little deeper. Point number four. How do we stop the lame game? I love this point. Are you ready? Grab somebody. What did you say? Grab somebody. Okay? Look what it says. It says, in one translation, it says, and seizing him by the right hand. Or I like to read it from the message. It says, Peter... It says, grabbed him. He grabbed the lame man. He, grab, he grabbed him by the right hand. He pulls him up, and in an instant, his feet and his ankles became firm. He jumped to his feet, and he walked. He grabbed him. There's so much in here. <clears throat> he pronounces, he doesn't just pronounce the power of God upon this man and then just kind of sit back, cross his arms, just wait, and just kind of watch. And No, he got in there. He, he, he got in there, and he, he doesn't just wait for God to zap him. No, he goes over, and he seizes him. He grabs him. He takes hold of him. This man, this lame man, spiritually lame man, you know what happened? He ran into two men of God. They were not lame. These were, these were true men of God. And they were walking, and they were willing uh, to grab a man. They were willing to stop what they were doing, stop where they were going, uh, and grab a man who couldn't walk, who didn't think he could ever walk. Who, and, and, and they introduced him to the only one who can make him walk again, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And they grabbed him and they made him walk. This is so powerful. Now, we got a generation right now. Listen, we got a generation right now that need to be grabbed. The world right now is the one who's doing all the grabbing. And, and we as a church, and we as a family, and we as uh, uh, Christians, and we as men and women of God, we need to grab some people. We need to pull some people out of their spiritual lameness, pull some people out of that spiritual stupor, pull some people out of the, 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 the hands that have gotten a hold of them, the worldly, secular mindsets that have got a hold of them, the people sometimes, the toxic relationships. We need to help people, grab them, and help them stand up again and walk and talk again for the glory of God. Now, there have been many that you know 
with a cultural mindset, with a societal mindset, with a, uh, uh, a worldly, uh, new age spiritual mindset. Some crazy, crazy nuts people out there grabbing people, seizing people, arresting people, and calling uh, them to the world's ways. We need to call them out in Jesus' name. And so Peter, he didn't just pray for them. Uh, pray for this guy, he seized him. He grabbed hold of him. In essence, he's saying, we're not going to let you stay here anymore. We're not going to let you live like this anymore. We're not going to let you be lame anymore. Not on my watch. This is not going to happen. Not one more day can this take place. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, bam, let's get up. Now, I think this is just so powerful and so inspiring. So they grabbed him. Now, also what I see in this story is, this man cooperated. He didn't be like crossing his arms or giving them the Heisman or resisting. No, he cooperated. Many out there and even in the church wouldn't be so lame if there were some men and women of God to grab them. You know, in the story of the man uh, by the pool of Bethesda, he was there for 38 years you know, and he basically said, there was no one who was willing to put me in the water. Let it not be said of us. And, and a lot of times also people are using, men and women of God are using the name of Jesus wrong. They're using it uh, illegitimately. Uh, Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, walk. Many use the name of Jesus and nothing happens. Why does nothing happen? Did you know there are people in the Bible who use the name of Jesus and, and, and nothing happened? It's because there was no connection from the person to the power. There was no connection to the one behind the name. And there is power in that name. That's the source. But there has to be a relational connection to that source to access that power as it were. And so you can say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus all day long. You can say victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. You can say all kinds of things. But if there's no connection, there's going to be no power associated with that which you're speaking and that which you're saying. You're just saying words into the air. And that's why every person needs to have their own Passionate, personal, intimate relationship with their Savior, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus will not share his power unless there's a connection. or He won't share his power without the personal, without the personal connection. And so a lot of people say to me, Pastor, I'm using the name. And I'm using it, I'm praying it, I'm praying God's going to change my kids. And God's going to change my wife. And God's going to change this. God's like, what's the connection? What's the connection like? It's like expecting appliances to work. You know, and just saying, oven, 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 be hot. Oven, 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 be hot. It's not going to be hot. Refrigerator, refrigerator, be cool. It's not going to have microwave mic. It's not going to happen if you're not plugged in. And it's the same way with the power that is in Jesus' name. Peter said, he said this, he said, what I have, I give to you. What I have, I give to you. In other words, I'm connected. I'm plugged into the source. I'm so connected that the name the power that's in that name is, has been, a, it's, it's, been, it's accessible to me. I have permission to apply it to any situation. And I can give it to another man. And right now, I'm giving it to you in your spiritual lame state. So he seizes him. He grabs him. And the Bible says immediately. Come on, somebody. Say immediately. Immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. Now, there's so much here because this man was crippled from birth, that was a disability, but his muscles were also weak. 
and atrophied. He had a physical problem, and he had a, uh, um, a, a weakness as well. And he had a disability, and he had a weakness. And, but the power of God fixed that in an instant. See, when God wants to show up and show off, he'll, he'll do things right there in a moment. In the blink of an eye, in an instant, he can do it immediately. Whenever he wants to do it, he can do that. And, and so some of you are like, yeah, but, yeah, but nothing happened when I did it, PD. Well, remember the connection part. That's important. But you also need to understand something about God. He, he doesn't work in time. He, he doesn't need time to accomplish that which he needs to accomplish. It's not about time. He works outside of time. He doesn't need time. He needs purpose. He needs purpose to accomplish something miraculous uh, through uh, people. And so catch this. Sometimes he doesn't let things uh, slowly progress to the point where it's all done. It's all fixed. Uh, sometimes he lets people, it's kind of a theological thing that needs more unpacking, but sometimes he lets people stay in that status until they're ready to receive the instantaneous, immediate, supernatural infusions of God, of God's power. Sometimes he just, he doesn't need time to like slowly get you better. No, he can do it whenever he wants. That's, if the problem's not on his end. He can do it in a moment. He's waiting for us to be in the right state to receive the immediate, instant, miraculous interventions of God. And it took this man 40 years to be ready for this moment. How long is it going to take you to be ready for the immediate interventions of God, the interruptions of God at this moment this lame man, this crippled beggar, after 40 years of doing what he did, suddenly he's expecting to receive something. Suddenly he is uh, looking and is in full undivided attention. He is ready to receive something. And in the name of Jesus, and as a man of God uh, grabs him and seizes him, in an immediate moment, in, a, in, a, in an instant, he receives his miracle. And so some of you need to go find a Peter and John like that and cooperate with them and let them pray for you and let them guide you and let them lead you. You might be right now an immediate candidate for some kind of miracle in your life because you're, you're finally ready. You're at that place of uh, desperation or that place where you're, you're, you're you need, like you need air, like you need air. And when you are ready in your heart, and you're willing for some people uh, to, 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 to grab you, to get up off your blessed assurance, off your, 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 your butt, then, <laughs> then God can do something miraculous. And after this infusion of power, in verse 8, it says, with a leap, he stood up right, and he began to walk, and he jumped up. This guy's not crawling anymore. This guy's not begging anymore. He's changed. And so our fifth and final point, to stop the lame game, you have to jump in. You have to jump in. Verse 8, it says, jumping up, he began to walk around. And then, what did he do? After he jumped up, he didn't just stay jumping and praising God forever and just praying and worshiping. No, he entered the temple with them. He went to church with them. He didn't have to go to some kind of training program. No, this guy had a testimony now. This guy's on fire now. This guy's done a complete 180 in his life, and he's going to church now with Peter and John, walking and leaping and praising God. He didn't just jump up. He jumped in. He went to church. Everybody say church. 
Everybody say, if you're listening for the first time, you need to be in a church family. You're not meant to just get healed, just get saved, just for you. God wants to do something not just in you, but through you. It's so important that you jump up, yes, but you jump in. And so God is... He's, he's wanted to change just like he did for the spiritually lame man. He was at the gate beautiful looking into the church. Now he's in the church looking out. He went from an, uh, a me, me, me focus to an other's focus when God did a miracle in his life. And so he looked up. He expected to receive. He experienced the power that's in the name of Jesus. Uh, he was willing and uh, cooperative when he was grabbed by some godly people. And then what happened? He goes to church and he gets his praise on somebody. So let me speak quickly now to the Peters and Johns out there. You might be out there and you are not spiritually lame. But some of you are on your way to church. Some of you are going through your religious routines. Will you let God interrupt you? Will you let God interrupt you? These guys were on their way to a prayer meeting. They could have said, no, oh, we don't have time for that. We, we got to go pray. We got we to gotta go do some spiritual things. But God sometimes lets you cross paths with people so that you can minister to those people. These are people uh, that God put in, the, in, his, in your life just like they did, just like he did in their life. God wants you to minister to some people. But are you willing to be interrupted? And so this, like I said about the man at the pool of Bethesda, who's, nobody came, nobody, nobody even grabbed me and put me in the pool. He could have experienced the cleansing, healing waters at the pool of Bethesda, but there wasn't one Peter, one John who was willing to put him in for 38 years. We got a generation that's being, again, grabbed by the world, and the Peters and Johns don't stop. They don't stop. And you can't stop for everybody, and I get that, but you need to stop for somebody. And there's somebody in your life and somebody in your sphere of influence that God is speaking to you even now that you should stop for. Because this is a generation like no other that needs to be saved. This is a time like no other where the church of Jesus Christ needs to be open. But we need people who are willing to grab some people. So where are you? Where are the people that God has called you to grab? Where are the grabbers out there? Each one of you, are you uh, each one reach one person? Each one of you, are you fully engaged in the church? Or are you just doing your own thing? Are you out there uh, living with a mission over me? Or is it about me, me, me? Just keep me, uh, give me enough to stay spiritually lame. Give me what I'm begging for instead of letting God give you the real thing you need that will give you the real purpose for your life and bring significance to it. This man changed. He jumped up. He jumped into church. He was walking and leaping and praising God. And I don't think there's anything that will move you, motivate you, or move people and motivate people like a changed life. But we must be willing to be interrupted to see those changes in other people's lives. And we must remind ourselves how God changed our life and give that away to other people. Others will follow when you do that. Others will get fired up when this happens. The whole church service changed when this man showed up to the prayer meeting. In Acts chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Many who heard the word became believers, and the number grew to about 5,000 men. What? Peter and John helped one man, and then it helped 5,000 men get saved. What could you do? 
as you move, you multiply. What one person could you touch and how many people could be touched because you were willing to be interrupted, because you were willing to grab and seize somebody, because you were willing to say, hey, fix your attention right here. Hey, I have something for you. It's not what you think, but this is what it is. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I'm calling you to get up, to walk, to talk, to live for God right now. When God does something, he doesn't want you to just come to church, everybody. He wants you to be the church. He doesn't want you to just sit and stew. He wants you to go and do. He wants you to get after it as a Christian. And so I'm challenging you, wherever you are, online church, in-person church, man up. I want you to man up. God wants you to, is there one person out there that's willing to stand up for God? My dad used to say, if you won't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. I'm encouraging you to stand up, to get involved, to get engaged, and to put his agenda over your agenda and watch what happens. If you're 40 years being lame, it's not too late. It's not too late for you. If you're sitting on your blessed assurance, God can do something through you still to this day. So there's got to be some people out there. You're listening to me and you're like, yeah, he's right. It's time. It's time for me. And so I am, in a sense, by the Spirit, grabbing you. I'm grabbing you right now and I'm calling you to action. Now listen, our church is, is going to be open. We're getting ready to open uh, physically at two locations and very soon a third location. I'm calling you, if you can, come join us at church. Be a part of our Ashland location, our Framingham location. Uh, be with us uh, online if you can't be here physically, but I'm encouraging those of you who can to come and be in church with us physically. We are, we are fully open and I want you to be there. And if you're gonna come, get in the game. Don't be lame. Don't do things the same. Get involved. I'm encouraging. There's going to be a person that you can talk to with your prayer needs and your prayer requests. Say, hey, how do I get, how do I man up? How do I get involved in Connect Church? I want you to get involved uh, today. Now listen, I want to pray for those of you that are within um, the sound of my voice today that are far from God, maybe disconnected from God. You don't know him personally. I want to pray for you to make that connection. It's through Jesus Christ that all men are saved. Acts 4.12, it tells us there's no other name by which men can be saved. No other name. So if you want to have your security um, eternally established, I want you to pray with me right now. Would you just say this? Would you just say, Jesus, I invite you of my own free will to come into my life, to today be my savior and also to be my Lord. That means I believe because of what you did, my eternal security is established. And I also believe because of that, that I don't have to die physically, but I'm willing to die to myself and I surrender my life to you as Lord. And as Lord, tell me what you want me to do Tell me where you want me to go, and I'll go, and I'll do what you tell me. Father, I pray for every person who prayed that prayer, that they not only made a decision, but they also decided to become a disciple, a follower. Lord, for all the men, the women, the boys and girls, help them, Lord, to stand up now so they can man up, so they can lead in this generation. No longer be a follower. No longer be the same. We're not going to be lame, and we're not going to be the same because Jesus came into our life we're never the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you made that commitment, if you said that prayer, I want you to text somebody to CC Saved at 97,000. 
When you do that, I'm going to send you a book, and this book's going to help you on your spiritual journey. Additionally, it's really important you tell somebody what you just did. Don't hide that. Don't go off into some quiet place. Don't. This isn't just a private decision. It, it, it is, but it was never meant to stay that way. It's personal, but never meant to stay private. Tell somebody the decision you made. That's what makes it stick. And let us pray for you and help you in your next steps. I hope that you will join us uh, in the coming weeks, either online or in person. I look forward to this continuation of our series, Men of God. I love you. God bless you. And I'll see you real soon.